It's the end of college. You've crushed it with a 4.0 GPA, been president of your sorority, and you have a cute boyfriend that you think's gonna propose. But then he doesn't and says his future as a politician means he needs a Jackie, not a Marilyn. So what do you do? How about buckling down and getting into Harvard Law? What, like it's hard? And then going on to learn the ropes in class and dominate your law firm internship to the point that you exonerate a wrongly accused woman. All a year in the life of Elle Woods, feminist icon in pink. Yes, today on Pro Se Movie Club, we're talking about Legally Blonde. Oh my God, there she is, Elle! Elle, we came to see your trial. Oh, look how cute, there's like a judge and everything. And jury people. Hi, I'm Amber McKinney with the Pro Se Movie Club, and I'm here with my two great co-hosts, Alex Lawson. Uh, this is going to be like all other legal movie podcasts, except for funner. Way funner. And also <laughs> here with us is Bill Donahue. Guys, I think I told you this <laughs> off the air, but I can't remember. I had never seen this movie. Oh, well, welcome Bill, to the what club a treat. Until last night. Wow. Welcome to the people. <laughs> welcome to the club, people who have, who have seen Legally Blonde. It's great <laughs> I, to have you here. I see that it didn't really take for you because I don't see you in anything pink and nothing sparkles. <laughs> I, my normal pink attire has been retired for this session. <laughs> well, before we dive more into Legally Blonde, I do just want to say, welcome listeners. This is the first episode of the Pro Se Movie Club. Our intention here is to bring our love of movies and the law together, and we're going to do that by telling you all the things movies get right and wrong about legal scenes. And uh, I will try to keep my impressions and my uh, insufferable movie snobbery to a minimum. The try is doing the operative part of that. Doing the, doing the heavy lifting. Yes, yes. Well, we have a really good first movie to talk about. It's Legally Blonde. It's actually... Um, it was released on this day 20 years ago. Yes. This episode is dropping on the anniversary, July 13th. So let's get right into it with our big top line thoughts of the yeah. movie. And Bill, since you're the newbie, yeah. I want you to go first. Tell us what you thought. I'm fresh set eyes on this. This movie felt like someone took the year 2001 and melted it down and reconstituted it into a film. Like it is, <laughs> can a movie better capture a moment in time, I mean, it's it, and it makes sense. I mean, right? Like we're like, there's the free Britney stuff. There's the Friends yes. reunion. There's like sure. the Tiger Woods documentary. I feel like we've moved on from '90s nostalgia to early 2000s nostalgia, and this movie, it, you know, it just it just exudes a time. I did write down that this movie is, especially in the beginning, of yeah, scenes. It's all like tube tops and like oh, sparkly yeah. glitter. Big Hoku yeah, very, on the soundtrack. Yeah. Yes, Bill and I have been friends for way too long because I have in my notes, this is like mainlining 2001. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, uh, I, have a, I have a real soft spot for this movie. Um, what I like about it is that um, it's got like a really lively structure and it plays in a couple of different uh, boxes of the legal movie oeuvre mm -hmm. with, you know, you get the, the the fun and exciting law school movie, and then in the last forty five minutes, uh, there's a murder trial, as you indicated in the uh, in the intro. There, Elwood's can do it all. Yeah, yeah, and we might get into some of the inaccuracies about whether or not she can do it all legally. <laughs> I like that you all had you know some really nice like fun takeaways. My takeaway is far more serious. Okay, and I'm not kidding about this at all. This movie is the ultimate feminist dream. It's about how the law should work when a promising young woman stops doubting herself. Mm -hmm. That is a great takeaway for a movie. And I know it's dressed up in like even the font of the title <laughs> sequences is all like bubbly and has little hearts She's over like the eyes. She's doodling in a notebook. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I know it's all gussied up in that, but it really is a feminist movie and that's why I love it. Well, and it's an inversion of it's it took the tropes that I was just joking about, yeah. you know, the Paris Hiltons of the world, that sure. which was such a big thing at that time. And you know, it 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 told that story through that by flipping that story on its script. It, it was um it was fun to go back and watch. We have mentioned that this movie came out in 2001, and I just want to contextualize this a little bit for the listeners, especially people that have listened to Pro Se a long time. 2001 is also the year I started law school. Yeah, and so in watching this movie, I did have a thought for just a minute. Am I Elle Woods or is she just my classmate? <laughs> you you incepted her into being her or something. I feel like yeah. Yes. Um, 
I did a little research on this, and I didn't realize this before, but this movie is based on a book yes. that uh, a woman wrote based on some of her experiences yeah. as a female blonde law student who was often overlooked for those she was reasons. At Stanford Law, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tough, tough beat for Stanford, by the way. So because she she went to Stanford, and then when they make the movie, they're like, mm, what if it was something like cooler and more, <laughs> and more elite, like Harvard or something? Um, yes. So as much as I love this movie, I also just want to throw out there for the listeners in case they haven't heard. Legally Blonde Three comes out in 2022. Mark your calendars. Comes out in May. Yeah, we're hoping we're hoping it improves on the second one because the second one was not highly acclaimed. I was going to make a joke when we first came in that I said I accidentally watched the second movie. So I I pulled up the Rotten Tomatoes for <laughs> we've got a 37 on yeah. uh, Legally Blonde Two. They usually they have a longer sort of like you know uh, in depth consensus of what critics thought about it. <laughs> the quote. This blonde joke is less funny the second time around. Yeah. Ooh, harsh. I've seen Legally Blonde 2, Red, White, and Blonde. Uh, it's not good. I do applaud them for not just like trying to run back. Comedy sequels often run aground with like just trying to do the same thing over again. Yeah. Sure. In that one, she goes to Washington and she like lob she's on she's on Capitol Hill. She's not doing murder trial stuff anymore. She's lobbying for the passage of a bill that bans makeup testing uh on animals. <laughs> um but it doesn't really work. Um and hopefully uh now that it's spawning a franchise, uh they can do a little corrective there. Well, but. let's talk about some of the things that did work in the yeah. original. Um and I think the biggest thing for me is the cast. When you look back, everyone remembers that Reese Witherspoon plays Elle Woods, mm -hmm. but the rest of the supporting cast is also pretty stellar for this movie. Yeah, I loved Luke Wilson, uh, who we haven't seen much <laughs> in recent years, but he was, uh, you know, uh, this was his time. Old School came out a couple years after this, all yes. the Wes Anderson movies, so I was happy to see him. Um, I'm, a, I'm a huge, I am a, a card-carrying member of the Victor Garber hive. Uh, sure. Huge Victor Garber guy. I was uh, big, what, go ahead. Stifler's mom uh, oh, was yeah, also yeah. Uh, Jennifer, Jennifer Coolidge. Coolidge. Yes. Yep. And this is right in that Stifler's mom type character that she so often yeah, plays. That was, so that fits Amer for her. Yeah. American Pie was 99. So it was right. She was riding the wave of that. You also get Selma Blair, who's in tons of movies. In Selma this Blair. If can will you allow me to to to, oh, to wrap it. a little bit on Selma Blair? Sure. First of all, this is this is low key Cruel Intentions reunion because yep. her and Reese Witherspoon are both in Cruel Intentions. Yeah. And. Uh, you know, when I, you know, I was 14 years old when Cruel Intentions came out and there was a lot of like, who do you like more, Reese or Sarah Michelle Gellar? And I was like, no, guys, your, your eye is off the ball here. The Selma Blair high <laughs> is, 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 is real right now. That's what's going on. She's I great also, in this movie. I also don't think we should just gloss over Reese Witherspoon because that was something that really yes. did strike me watching the movie was that this movie would not have worked without her at the exact moment she was in. She had been in Cruel Intentions, as Alex mentioned. She had been in Election, which was a little indie. Pleasantville. Which was great, and Pleasantville, and a few other things. But, I mean, she exploded with this movie, and she was amazing. I think this movie, I mean, you think about the premise and how how much of a, of a you know, how many outcomes there are here that fail spectacularly. Yeah. Especially with sort of the campy tone of the movie. Mm-hmm. I think it really only worked with Reese Witherspoon in this moment. So it was originally um, going to go to Christina Applegate. Ah, that would have been a very different take oh, on this movie, I think. It would have been very different. Yeah. And Reese Witherspoon also, and this sounds silly, but I think it actually pays off in the movie. She did a lot of underground research with sororities. She <laughs> went to some sorority houses, had dinners with them, like sort of sounds like a real chore. what they were into. She went and partied with sorority <laughs> sisters uh, to research for the movie. It, it shows, though, in the movie. I know it sounds silly to go like have fun with some sorority girls, but um, I think she really captured the spirit of that. Yeah, well, and Bill's totally right because this is she was a famous actress, but this is where like people decide like we can build a movie around the charisma of this person. Yeah, I would argue that that was this movie. Yeah. Yeah, that's what yeah. that's what I'm saying. Yeah. And that has carried forward to this day. And now she's not even just in things. She's like a high powered producer. She's bankrolling projects for, you know, Hulu and HBO and all this other stuff. Elle Woods yeah. would be proud. Yes. <laughs> One more nuts and bolts thing before we yeah, get yeah. on, I think, is how much money this movie made. $18 million budget, $141 million gross worldwide. Yeah. Every so, penny deserved. Yeah. And and you know, so it makes sense now that there's there's essentially a legally blonde universe now with the musical and the, oh, new, yes. and the yeah. third yeah, one yeah. coming out and everything. It makes sense. It made a lot of money. The sequel cleaned up too. It was 125 million, which is good for a sequel. But uh yeah. So let's pivot now a little bit and start going through some of the key scenes yeah. in the movie. 
Um, I like to call the first like third of the movie just the what it takes to get into law school bit. Yes, absolutely. Um, so we meet Reese Witherspoon. She's a president of her sorority. She thinks she's going to have this great life with her serious boyfriend that she's convinced is going to propose. And as I said when I introed this episode, that doesn't go her way. He thinks he needs a more serious kind of girl. So we get inklings even before Reese decides to go to law school that she might, in fact, be a serious girl. And one of those for me is the scene where she is dress shopping before her big date and she's about to get scammed by a clerk at the store. Oh, yeah. Do you guys uh, have any thoughts about what happens next in that scene? Well, I mean, she's very meticulous, right? I mean, like, uh, you know, the, the the sort of log line, the elevator pitch of the movie is like airhead gets into law school. But that's not quite right because um, she is, I think, smart and detail oriented. It's just about certain things in her life. And, uh, you know, the movie envisions a world where people of very different backgrounds can attend law school and you see how um, it can get it can get put to use in certain ways. Yeah, yeah. Did you just... see this one? We just got it in yesterday. Oh, is this low viscosity rayon? Uh, yes, of course. With a half loop top stitching on the hem? Absolutely. It's one of a kind. Hmm. It's impossible to use a half loop top stitching on low viscosity rayon. It would snag the fabric. And you didn't just get it in. I saw it in the June Vogue a year ago. So if you're trying to sell it to me for full price, you picked the wrong girl. This scene is analogous to another scene in another iconic Harvard film, Goodwill Hunting. Uh, <laughs> Can't wait to see where this goes. This is the My Boy's Wicked Smart scene because it yes. establishes yeah. this sort of superpower about Elle that you, you know, all of a sudden you're, you're like, oh, okay. She's she's like, she is very smart and she will, and she's very perceptive. And, um, you know, we're sort of going to flip the script on what we've seen so far. So when she basically calls out the sales clerk for trying to scam her by asking her, what the material of the dress is made out of and then proving that it can't be stitched that way. Oh, yes. The way she asked the question first, baiting the clerk, to me was like, you're going to be great at examining people on the witness stand. That's the thing. This is, I'm glad we're talking about this scene because this is not a legal scene. There are scenes in this movie that take place in law school, take place in the courtroom, but this is about like the like, you know. Think like a lawyer. Yes, it is about thinking like a lawyer and like the way you, you know, you know, inquire after certain points and like and like you say, try and prove certain points. Very evident that uh, the seeds have been planted uh, uh, within her to uh, to be a, a very talented lawyer. So we now know Elle's smart, but she does get dumped. And her, her next move is to get into law school to prove that she's a serious enough girl to, to marry the guy she thinks she loves. Um, there's a few great things that come out of this for me. The first is this notion that what all guys are looking for is a law student. That yeah. was news to me yeah, as right. a woman who went to law school. So, <laughs> well, you weren't hobnobbing with the type of people who were marrying. I was who making were, big who, mistakes, who, I guess. Who, who were marrying Vanderbilts, and I don't think, and frankly, you are better for that. If I'm, <laughs> if I'm being honest with you. Um, but yes, um, wild emotional swing for our girl L. One thing to go out to dinner, think you're getting proposed to, and then get dumped. Yeah, I mean, she she does sort of, she gets sad, as any girl would, but she takes it in stride because her next move is to really buckle down and go for this law school dream. Yes. And Alex, I think this brings us to one of your favorite oh, scenes. Oh, man. Uh, this is a, uh, you know, this is a character study of Elle Woods. Uh, her parents are only in one scene in the movie uh, and just amazing uh, waspy caricatures, West Coast money. She's in the pool uh, you know, and she's telling, she's told her parents clearly that she wants to go to law school and her dad, you know, martini in hand, yeah. you know, uh, whatever. He's got the cardigan like sure. wrapped around his neck. He's, he's on his way back from the country club or whatever. And, uh, what does he, what does he say, Amber? His line is, oh, sweetheart, you don't need law school. Law school's for people who are boring and ugly and serious. Honey, you were first runner up at the Miss Hawaiian Tropics contest. Why are you going to throw that all away? Going to Harvard is the only way I'm going to get the love of my life back. Oh, sweetheart, you don't need law school. Law school's for people who are boring and ugly and serious. And you, Button, are none of those things. Had that one written down and underlined in my notes. <laughs> and you, Button, are none of those things. That's, that's, that's the kicker when he says you are, you are not serious person. <laughs> um, also, if you'll indulge me a moment of uh, film snobbery, uh, this is pretty clearly uh, a clever inversion of The Graduate, uh, which has, of course, Ben Braddock is adrift in the pool and his dad is getting on his case about not doing more 
after college. Here it's flipped. The parents are literally saying, don't do any of that stuff. Uh, the, the the illusions are pretty clear, at least to me. I love that that uh, cinemaphile commentary there because I think this is why it's a feminist movie, guys. People don't expect enough of blonde pretty Elle Woods. Mm-hmm. That's sort of the inversion of all the tropes go into, into that greater point. I sure wish I had parents who would tell me to be less ambitious, <laughs> but uh, uh, I, haven't, uh, I have not had that fortune, unfortunately. So we then proceed into a series of scenes that's basically a montage of the things she does to get herself into law school. And I actually really liked this because well, I think, Alex, you said a few minutes ago this movie could be reduced to Airhead gets into Harvard. Yeah. But it's not that because it proves that Elle actually worked really hard to secure her spot. Yeah. So first we see her like talking to a guidance counselor about her 4.0 GPA. Oh, yeah. She starts studying for the LSAT. She gets she gets a not great score on some practice tests, but eventually a 179 out of 180. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, I I had that tabbed. What 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 is that all about? She's just like a savant. <laughs> well, um, here's a little a little inside story from my life. I didn't study for the LSAT and it's a big regret I have wow. in this world. I just At took all? it. No, I just took it thinking like, this we'll see a, how it this goes. Is, this is a flex. Well, I mean, it's not a flex. Capital F flex right now by Amber McKinney. It's not a flex because could I have been L. Woods, you guys? Well, I should have studied. Well, I was going to say, Steve, we can dump it out if you want. I don't suppose you want to share your score on the air. Nah, I'm all not right. going to well, do it, and guys. that's okay because you, <laughs> you, uh, you didn't study. It was so. not a 179. I can tell <laughs> you that. You've built in a caveat for yourself, if you so, want to say. But so like, later on in life, um, <laughs> I worked through law school and I used to teach Kaplan LSAT classes because it was like you could really schedule it on your own schedule to be one of those teachers. So I thought it was a great idea. Okay. Until I started teaching them and I was like, damn, if I'd just taken one of these before I took that exam, but too little too late. Elle did it the right way. This um, this is probably the only time we'll really get to talk about um, the, the, there's a good juxtaposition here when she is immersing herself in learning about and then studying for the LSATs. Um, I think her two friends like borderline steal the movie. They have amazing, they have like a bunch of amazing lines that start here when, when they ask her what she's doing and they say, and she says, I'm reading about the LSATs and her one friend just goes, why? <laughs> Amazing delivery. They think they think that the LSAT is a uh, sexually transmitted <laughs> disease. And then she says she's going to Harvard and she thinks they're going on a road trip. These these are like like mile a minute jokes. Yeah. So they good. Are. And the mile a minute jokes keep coming. I think one yes. of the most iconic things in this stretch of the movie is her video uh oh, yes. applicate her video essay for the application. Um has a lot of good zingers in that and um is ridiculous, of course, but it's just like what you said. It's the mile a minute jokes about the law. I feel comfortable using legal jargon in everyday life. I object. And I like the smash cut from us, we, the audience, watching the video to the room full of the stuffy Harvard yeah. admission sure. leather bound, leather bound books ring sure. the room. Tweed jackets. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, like clearly trying to like justify letting the hot girl into Harvard. He's like, right. well, you know, we've never had a fashion major before. <laughs> so good. Her list of extracurricular activities is impressive. She was in a Ricky Martin video. Clearly, she's interested in music. She also designed a line of faux fur panties for her sorority's charity project. Uh-huh. She's a friend to the animals as well as a philanthropist. Elle Woods. Welcome to Harvard. Okay, so we've gotten L to law school. Yeah. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the scenes, about what it's like when she gets there. So just to sort of further the plot, she's obviously there because she wants to prove that she's good enough to be with Warner, the boyfriend that dumped her. He sees her in the halls, thinks she's just following him around, and she has to say, no, I mean, I... I go here. I go here. <laughs> <laughs> like the, the the delivery is just yeah, so it's on great. point. Yes. Uh, I'm sorry. Are you here to see me? No, silly. I go here. You you go where? Harvard Law School. You got into Harvard Law. What? Like it's hard. So Warner, in the meantime, has gotten back together with uh, Selma Blair's character, Vivian. Vivian, who only wears neutrals. She's Vivian always in gray and blue. Vivian Kensington. All the names. Great rich girl names. Yeah, all yes. the names are very good. Yes. It's also very clear why they cast Selma Blair. She's dark hair. Mm-hmm. She can wear those neutrals. Be like the visual opposite of right. Reese Witherspoon. Definitely. So it's perfect. Yeah. The Jackie to her uh, Marilyn. Sure. As the movie that's, would put that's it. how they would put it for sure. Yeah. Um, 
I want to talk about some scenes of her struggling in the beginning of law school and hear what you guys think, because obviously um, I've got a lot of thoughts about how this compares to my law school experience at the same time as Elwood's. Well, the people are extremely mean. And of course, it's a movie. uh, We're playing up the character dynamics. But man, when she's uh, we'll talk about the classroom scenes, I'm sure. But man, when she goes to them in the in the library and they're like, uh, it's like a smart people thing. It's just like so actively mean. But I mean, Amber, you tell us. I mean, the thing you you do here about law school from a distance is that everyone's kind of a dick. Okay, so um, yes, the answer is yes. That is accurate to my experience. Yeah, right, okay. So my version of one of those mean Elwood scenes would have been my 1L year. This is a million years ago. I'm sure they don't do this to law students anymore, but... They wouldn't let you use an online research resource for your legal writing class for your first semester. Because the point is, if you never learn how the books all work together and like how that works, you'll literally never learn it. That was the old school thinking because I'm many years out of law school. (laughs) (laughs) But that meant that when you would get an assignment, the other like 12 people in your little breakout small legal research class would all be looking for the same things in the library. Oh God, you're like rushing. And I had more than one occasion where you'd go to find the book you needed to complete the assignment and it was gone. And then you'd like talk to librarians, talk to other people and someone would have intentionally taken it. Yeah. Like not a book you could check out. the curve. Just like, yeah. So there was, there was some gameplay. I got I I I much like Bill. Uh, I too have never been to law school. Um, this movie gave me like, th- like like it 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 gave me anxiety about just even being back in an academic setting. <laughs> sure. When she's in, I mean, I don't know if you want to talk about the classroom scene. I one hundred percent do because I have feelings about that compared to my experience too. But I want to know what it's like watching it from the side of not having gone to law. School. I it was it 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 it's uh, I didn't enjoy it. Uh, I mean, it's, it makes for a good movie, but it made me think like when she's when she gets called on uh, when Holland Taylor calls on her in the first uh, classroom scene, and she like hasn't done the reading, and, and she, she fesses up very quickly that yeah, she didn't sure. know there was a si- an assignment. Yeah. I got like I got like cold sweats. I was like, oh my god! Like, I mean, you, that's a it's a it's a you know a, a prototypical <laughs> nightmare. It literally it literally nightmare. is a yes. nightmare that people yes. have. <laughs> I regret to inform you, Alex Lawson. Law school is not for you. Yeah, no. Um, no. I have had very similar experiences <laughs> in my law school days. Never kicked out of a class, okay. so that was an extreme moment for L. But I have seen others be kicked out of a class, and I have also been publicly chastised in a room of like a hundred people for getting something wrong. Yeah. So. Yes. Uh, that's real. Being cold called <laughs> is something that some professors really like. It's the ones that love the Socratic method. So you're not sure if you're answering correctly. I really like the scene. This isn't actually about L. It's about one of her classmates, but he answers who said a famous quote with Aristotle. Oh yeah. And then the professor is oh, like, God. are you sure? Yeah. See in a way that any <laughs> normal human would be like, I don't know if I'm maybe not. Uh, but that is, very true to how law school works. They want you to be confident in those answers. I I, I just have to stop you right there because the person <laughs> in that, the character in that scene is named David Kidney, which <laughs> just by itself made me laugh. Yeah. So I, you know. Well, you said that the, the, all the names are are, are, are are very good. They're very good. The breakout scene right before all this happens oh, yeah. where they meet the classmates. All the round table thing. Terrific stuff. Yes. So it's tough for Elle in the beginning. It gives me all these flashbacks, PTSD yeah, yeah. to law school days. Um. But like many law students, she starts to get the hang of it. So we get montage there any, number two. We do. Do you have any highlights you like from as she's sort of getting her groove on in law school and figuring it out? Well, in the montage, uh, she helpfully informs us that diminished capacity negates mens rea, uh, which uh, I think I think everybody understands. I mean, who among us has <laughs> never uh, encountered that? Um, I also like uh, when she there's like a very you can again speak to the veracity of this uh, dynamic, but they get into a very like you know quasi legal but kind of just quasi philosophical uh, debate over paternity rights for sperm donors, and this is when she kind of like you know presents an alternate legal theory. And Victor Garber's like, I'm gonna commit some quid pro quo sexual harassment like in an hour into this movie. He's very impressed with what's going on at Elwood's. Not to jump ahead, but uh, yes, it's a very it's a you know it's it's fortifying for her. Many of the things during this stretch of the movie are complete, like, Latin term, legal term, mush. They don't mean a lot. Um, But I like the notion that they at least gave it, like, a fun thing where Elle would start to discover that she can weigh in with a thought of her own in this argument. Sure. Yeah. 
she's becoming more intellectually curious about them. I mean, she's done the reading. You know, there's things she's on the treadmill. She's reading the, the, the book. It's clearly soaking in. And she's thinking, you know, I think whatever Victor Garber literally says to her, I think it was in the trailer, every single trailer. Now you're thinking like a lawyer. (laughs) That's what they teach you at law school. That's the biggest thing. Yes. So we sort of move from this bucket of the movie, which is like the law school segment, into what it's like when you're trying to practice law. So this movie really has it all. (laughs) Yes. Um, The way we get there, Victor Garber is surprisingly, and we'll talk about this a little later in the show, too. He is a full-time professor at Harvard and also a full-time partner at his law firm. And also a full-time sicko. (laughs) Yeah. All of those things. He really does it all. Um, This from Mr. Andrews, who built us the Titanic. I can't believe it. it. So what he does is that he offers many of the students, it turns out, in in that class an internship at his firm. Yes. So we we transition into this period where Elle and some of her classmates, including the ex-boyfriend and her rival for his affections are all on a team at the firm working on a criminal case. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk a bit more about that. The crim case in question is a murder trial. It's a wealthy young wife. Her name's Brooke Taylor Wyndham. Again, good names in this movie. <laughs> well, yeah, if I can stop you right there. I, Bill, do you want to play a little jazz on Allie Larder here? I mean, this was a very important person for men sure. of a certain age. Allie Larder was the, uh, the heartthrob in Varsity Blues. Yeah. Most, um, most famously, I would say. Uh, yeah, just a real, just sort of like late 90s, early 2000s heartthrob for the for the boys out there. Yeah. One for the fellas, finally, in, <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> yes. So they really play up to that because she plays the young wife of uh, the murdered victim. She's a fitness instructor. Yes. She's meant to be like this pretty and vapid woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She coincidentally is from the same sorority as Elle. Oh, yes. And Elle had taken her fitness classes. Yeah. So when they first meet, there is a moment where um, the character of Brooke says, at least one of you has a brain this talking is, about the team. Yes. Um, this is sort of a, this is a small quibble I have with the movie, which is that while they clearly establish that Elle is a thoughtful person and takes to, uh, you know, learning the nuances of the law very well, she does benefit from like very factually convenient things in the movie. Sure, uh, but I, I think the argument against that would be that would be that you know everyone brings their own life experiences yes, to the law, yes. and if you're allowed to you know if you're allowed to be your own person and not have to fit into the archetype, then you can benefit from that. How yes. many times on Pro Se have we talked about law firm diversity and how diverse legal teams oh, matter 100%. and make clients happy? Yes, and this is like a, a early prototype of that. Yeah, I think it slightly undercuts the message that like sure anyone can do it uh, right. so long as the chips fall this way. However, that's a very small. I mean, that's just this is uh, convenient plotting. Um, but yeah, so uh, Brooke takes a liking to her, and then we're sort of off and running she does. With, the, with, the, so with the defense. I want to skip ahead a bit to when they're actually starting this trial in earnest. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's one scene in particular that I think is pretty important where Elle points out to Luke Wilson's character that she sees a very obvious hole in a witness who's testified that he's been having an affair with um, Allie Larder's character with with Brooke. Um, That scene goes down as one of the fun ones to watch and how quickly they're able to prove that Elle's right. Yeah, well, and this is a this is a callback to the dress scene that we were all that we were all fawning over a couple minutes ago, just because she has sort of an encyclopedic knowledge of fashion, uh, and she knows that only you know certain. Well, I mean, there are probably some like retrograde sort of sexual politics well, at, at, at play here. But, I was gonna say, yeah, I, I don't know that this scene doesn't get made the way that it does, or I don't know that this scene doesn't get included in the movie. It certainly does not get included the way that it it is included. That right. it's yeah. there are some some sort of over-exaggerated gay stereotypes that happen in this scene that, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, I think probably, I think, you know, I don't think the movie is malicious, so no, I think no, it's no. sort of like all in good fun. Time but, capsule too. But I think in 2021, that scene doesn't play out quite the way that it does. So yeah, well, so what happens, which we're, we're alluding to, is that the guy who is claiming to have an affair with Brooke um, is because he notices that Elle is wearing Prada shoes from last season purportedly. Oh, I, I do like the joke that they do that sets that up when she turns to Warner, the you know ex-boyfriend or whatever, and says, Warner, what kind of shoes are these? And he goes, uh, black ones. <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yes. classic guy stuff. Everyone knows it. Um, but, uh, and then she deduces that he is gay based on that. 
did, one thing that I caught this time that I'd never caught before is that uh, her classmate Enid, who is the like militant lesbian uh, arch, uh, archetype, says, how did I not notice that? Which is pretty funny. <laughs> again, again, for the time. Right. But, yes. Yeah, so that scene, I think, you know, this movie has a, a very distinctive build to Elle's skill set, right? Mm-hmm. It shows all these little micro moments where she's gaining more confidence. Yep. She's suggesting things that are working out for her client. Um, and that one, she lets Emmett's character take the lead there oh, with yeah. that piece of information. But Elle's really the linchpin that puts that together. Did you ever take Mrs. Wyndham on a date? Yes. Where? A restaurant in Concord where no one could recognize us. And how long have you been sleeping with Mrs. Wyndham? Three months. And your boyfriend's name is Chuck. Right. Silence. Pardon me. Pardon me. Yes, Mr. Salvatore. I, I was uh, I was con- confused. You oh. see, I thought you said friend. Chuck is just a friend. Oh, okay. <laughs> you bitch. <laughs> so. Despite Elle's progress of connecting to clients and poking holes in the prosecution's case with things that she's discovered, we do have to talk about this is the stage in the movie where we have creepy professor oh, slash yeah. partner, Victor Garber. Yeah. Yeah. So Elle is working late one night. She's in his office. She's very chipper, thinks he's going to talk about her future as a lawyer because she's done all this great stuff. And he immediately hits on her, and I think we pointed out on the show, it literally is quid pro quo sexual harassment. Now, Very clear. what is Elle willing to do, I believe he says. Yes. Or <laughs> I will say, as someone who hadn't seen this movie, <laughs> let me be a resource for you guys. Please. Uh, I, Blank slate. I did not see it coming from Victor Garber. I, I, I just, I, you know, I thought he was a good guy who was looking out for L, and then it's, it's a very sudden twist. They, they laid the groundwork a little bit because there is the scene prior to this where her and Vivian are commiserating over the fact that he's always asking Vivian to answer the phone or get him the plum sauce. Um, but that is obviously that's also not good, but quite different than quid pro quo sexual harassment. Um, but yeah, it's unsettling because we all like Victor Garber. I think that's, and, we, and I don't like seeing him do this stuff. I think that's the real reason you probably didn't pick up on it, Bill, <laughs> because Victor Garber very rarely plays this kind of like scumbag character. Right. Like yeah. it's not his Although usual. I would argue he was a scumbag for poorly designing the Titanic. That's which, true. You know, <laughs> caused so many deaths. He's caused a lot of problems. This yeah. movie, uh, or rather this scene, it uh, does employ one of my least favorite, and this is a million movies do this, so I am just truly nitpicking here, but because uh, Vivian's, when, when a character sees something just incriminating enough, because Vivian sees right. uh, Callahan coming onto her and then leaves before, it's also, also before just, seeing him before seeing her rebuke him, this happens in Mean Girls. From a others. screenwriting perspective, they also just solve it like four minutes later I in know. the movie. So it's sort of like, why did they even do it? Like, I yeah. think it's well, they're trying to drive a wedge between the women. They were just they were just getting on the same page. Uh, right. Stop fighting over this guy, and then she like accused him, like you know, sleeping with the professor. Well, when we move on from there, we yeah. get to a stretch in the movie that has some bits that uh, maybe it's because Elle is my comrade in law school, yeah, uh, my same class year, but. Um, she goes into a pretty heavy imposter syndrome spiral yeah. right after that. Mm-hmm. And I think this may be some of what so many people, especially women, resonate with as as what happens next for her in the movie. It It's different from some other movies where someone is harassed and then you just see um, the practical aftermath. You don't see the emotional aftermath of yeah. how it makes mm-hmm. someone feel. So I really like that Elden has a whole speech about how she's never taken seriously. She should just give up. No one's ever going to treat her like a woman that's capable. Um, the mission statement of the movie, you know, exactly. the, the, the character is, you know, greeted greeted with a with a with with a crucible that she is about to overcome. Right, and yeah. she does overcome it yes. in pretty spectacular yeah. fashion as Let's we talk move about forward. It. Let's get to what I think is probably the the most pivotal legal yeah. scene, if not the most pivotal scene, just in the movie in general. Um, Brooke eventually fires Victor Garber. Yeah, in court. Uh, says L should step up as her attorney, and that actually works. Yeah, they do a little mumbo jumbo. We're going to talk about in a minute yeah, about yeah. how we'll, that we'll, happens. We'll, we'll get there. <laughs> um, and then L has a pretty wicked cross examination moment um, with the daughter, whose name is Chutney. Chutney Wyndham, as portrayed by Linda Cardellini. Linda Cardellini. Can we get a shout for Linda. <laughs> we, we, we didn't even mention her when we were talking about, uh, talking about how great the cast was. Who doesn't love Linda Cardellini? Yeah, so this is one of those classic love to see it in a movie moments where 
everything gets revealed in one cross examination. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's of course maybe a little confession on the witness stand. confession on the witness <laughs> yes. stand. Clear your your client from all wrongdoing. Um, but let's talk about sort of how we get there yeah. in the scene. Um, so Elle starts pretty tentative. She's asking a few questions about what Chutney had been doing the day of the murder before she found her father's body. Well, well, she starts by just explaining to the judge that there's no evidentiary support. And then the judge is like, you know, you have to be asking questions. (laughs) Not making a statement. That was actually great. It is a mistake that someone who's inexperienced might make. And and if they were nervous, right? Totally, totally sends the the very distinct message that she's really nervous and not sure what to do next. So she starts asking questions about what Chutney had done that day. Gets a lot of answers, and eventually Chutney says that she didn't hear the gunshot because she was in the shower washing her hair. Yeah. After earlier in the day, she'd had a perm. Yes, and the light bulb goes off. Just alarm bells for Elle. You just, you know, you see her face change. She's super excited at this point. Yeah. She really locks in. Miss Wyndham, had you ever gotten a perm before? Yes. How many would you say? Two a year since I was 12. You do the math. You know, a girl in my sorority, Tracy Marcinko, got a perm once. We all tried to talk her out of it. Curls weren't a good look for her. She didn't have your bone structure. But thankfully, that same day, she entered the Beta Delta Pi wet t-shirt contest where she was completely hosed down from head to toe. Objection. Why is this relevant? Oh, I have a point, I promise. Then make it. Um, Chutney, why is it that Tracy Marcinko's curls were ruined when she got hosed down? Because they got wet? Exactly. Because isn't it the first cardinal rule of perm maintenance that you're forbidden to wet your hair for at least 24 hours after getting a perm at the risk of deactivating the ammonium thyglocolate? Yes. And wouldn't somebody who's had, say, 30 perms before in their life be well aware of this rule? And if, in fact, you weren't washing your hair, as I suspect you weren't because your curls are still intact, wouldn't you have heard the gunshot? And if, in fact, you had heard the gunshot, Brooke Wyndham wouldn't have had time to hide the gun before you got downstairs, which would mean that you would have had to have found Mrs. Wyndham with a gun in her hand to make your story plausible. Isn't that right? This is Therese Witherspoon's credit, because we're all kind of talking about how this is a very sort of conveniently plotted scene with the, with the, with the dramatic confession and, and the questioning and all of that. But when that light bulb goes off, it's like a great like bit of transition because we're saying she's very tentative. She's like looking down at her notes and she's like saying the wrong things and addressing the wrong people. She's very meager. She almost goes to sit down and Luke Wilson has to nudge her up. Then when she, you know, gets into her comfort zone and realizes that she's that she's lying about having been in the shower because she should know proper perm maintenance. You see her give that. She's got that little aside to the jury. She's like, you know, one of my sorority sisters got a perm once. Curls weren't her thing, you know, and all, <laughs> and all this stuff. It's like she's she's like working the jury a little bit. Like, well, you know, like, imp- a, like all good trial lawyers and it's important in uh, any legal movie, any courtroom drama, that, <laughs> yeah. that the moment that something is about to turn, the movie subtly hints to you in other ways other than to, you know, because we've talked about it in terms of other movies. Sometimes it's difficult to follow the exact facts. Maybe not here, but, you yeah. know, that feeling of like the the actress subtly turning in a different way to signal that now we've had a shift in the testimony. Yeah, her whole demeanor is different. Right. Yeah. And she gets what she wanted there because she does trap Chutney in this lie. I'm still and laughing about her, this woman's name being I Chutney. Know, Sorry. Great. It's <laughs> so good. Yes. And um, Chutney breaks down and admits that she was trying to kill Brooke, not her father. Yeah. And that it just went awry, that she's the real uh, murderer in this in and this case. And Elle wins. She's my age. Did she tell you that? How would you feel if your father married someone who was your age? You, however, had time to hide the gun, didn't you, Chutney? After you shot your father. I didn't mean to shoot him. I thought it was you walking through the door. Order, order. Order. Oh, Oh my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Bailiff, take the witness into custody where she will be charged for the murder of Hayworth Wyndham. Much like a few good men, she is summarily charged with murder <laughs> on, on, the the wit- on the spot in, in the courtroom. <laughs> yes. I would also like to point out some of the subtle costuming changes that I think are so, so brilliant in this movie. 
There's a period after Elle sort of locking in in law school and like getting her footing and as she starts into the internship where, I don't know if you noticed, but her hair is not as curly yes. and she starts wearing darker outfits. She'll have a pop of pink. I did notice But that. like underneath a dark sure, suit. Or a scarf or something. Yep. yep. But as we move toward this scene where she's had this big fallout with Victor Garber, she's ha- questioned whether or not she can continue this career path and then come out the other side. She's back to wearing her Elle Woods pink. Her hair is bouncy and curly. Oh, yeah. She's her true self right. in this moment of triumph. She's really putting her stamp on it. Absolutely. Yes. So that is a great win for Elle. Yeah. Big sort of and the audience. moment of the movie. We do get a little coda at the end um, that maybe I'll talk about at the end of the show as well. But since we've talked about some of the big legal scenes, I wanted to get your all's takes on what is accurate and what is wildly inaccurate in this movie. Well... <laughs> Should we just start with the with the student practicing law, or should we, or, or, or you know, or, or, or uh, examining a witness? Sure, let's do it. Okay. Well, okay. Did you guys like actually look up this this law or this this part of the part of the Massachusetts? So you mean code? Massachusetts Supreme Judicial Court Rule three point zero three three point zero three? Sure did. Guys, sure I'm did. glad you did this because I did not. Okay. <laughs> um, now I will say, uh, I like. It's obviously a strain of you know reality um and we don't i don't think anyone thinks that this is like a death knell for the movie it's obviously more interesting if l herself is questioning the witness um now credit to them for at least citing a rule that would say this i would agree with that alex because you know i liked that they at least nodded to something that to it is irregular right. and you cite to something david our, our our man david kidney comes back sure it's not like uh big daddy <laughs> where he has his father just start cross-examining during the high stakes uh Child care case. Keep going. This is the beginning of Bill's shadow campaign for us to talk about Big Daddy <laughs> as a uh, legal movie. We'll talk about that later. Not even a shadow campaign. Uh, it's a, yeah. It's it's out in the open now. Um, so first of all, uh, and tell me if your sure. if your uh, research jives with this, Amber. Um, that is in the code that law students can work on trials this way, but only sort of. So first of all, as I read it. It only applies to third-year law students. Is that right? Actually, that's accurate. Okay. That's the biggest misstep they made here. So she's a 1L. Mm-hmm. And also, the way I read it, now, I don't know if I read something outdated, if there are any Massachusetts practitioners out there. Um, although, Hit us up. <laughs> although this was in 2001, so maybe it's uh, outdated that way, too. I read it as entitling law students to, um, I'm paraphrasing, but to appear with supervision on behalf of the Commonwealth, meaning Massachusetts, so for the state. Or for indigent defendants, which Brooke is not, mm. so she fits neither of those buckets. Mm. Right. So, um, what again? Whatever. I'm I not mean, trying to be Neil deGrasse. A lot of but, states you know. around the country do have provisions that let law students do certain like active attorney things yeah. within set parameters. Mm-hmm. One of the things they got right in the movie is that a licensed attorney has to be supervising. supervising so that's right. Emmett's character says yeah. he'll do that in the movie. Mm-hmm. To me, the biggest misstep is not even the three L versus one L part. Mm-hmm. It's that this all happened in the middle of the trial yeah, and the right. judge is just like, I mean, okay, this sounds fine. Yeah. Like at the very least, the judge would have taken the client aside, asked a bunch of questions about yeah, why sure. she immediately dumped her previous attorney, well, she, how this is going to work when she's being represented by part of her previous team, but not that one attorney, which is also weird and unusual. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think for the sake of the narrative of the movie, works fine. But very unrealistic. The judge did say, are you sure you're aware of yeah. what you're doing? <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I don't know if that satisfies the rigor that an appellate court would uh, be Can't looking for. Can't imagine Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't really have much to add on on top of that. That's the biggest that's the, thing. That's the big one. The, there's the whole, the whole situation where she goes and represents her friend oh, who yeah. is yes, portrayed by Stifler's mom. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's not really an inaccuracy. I mean, she could go and do that. I'm it sure it be, happens. It's it a be, very <laughs> bad idea, though. Right. I mean, one would think that early on in law school, they would be counseled that that is not something you can do. But yeah, just to be clear what you're talking about, she actually asserts she, to the ex of um, – of her friend that she is an attorney. She's would, her attorney. It's her I would, manicurist. I would like to note <laughs> yeah. that we are 45 minutes into this podcast and we didn't even get into the complete bonkers B plot. I know. I know. I, <laughs> it's not that legal. So that's why we started away. I have always found and this is a controversial opinion since we're talking about it now. And this has nothing to do with accuracies or inaccuracies. I've always found the bend. I, I know the bend and snap thing is very popular and it's, and it was like, it like caught fire after this movie to me, even at the time, it seemed like a studio note. It seemed like someone said these girls, these, these they gals need, ain't having enough fun or they something. They need a set piece with like some, some fun moves it's and stuff. Weird. It also sets up the later physical, the, the, the gag with yeah, her running she, into the head. She gets and, him yeah, in the yeah, head. Yeah. Um, 
This is not so much a, again, not so much a falsity, just a question. How much time are these Harvard 1Ls spending on this murder trial? Like, this is like... Okay. I have a very intense let's, time. Let's talk about it's that. It's winding near the end of the <clears throat> semester, too. They're they're taking exams, right? I mean, Yeah, I, I mean, I, I was under the assumption that we've spanned their whole 1L year here, that they, like, skipped over first semester exams and have gone into second semester when the internship started. No, because, because he says, uh, whatever, Kidney, whatever his name is, says, like... David Kidney. David Kidney, excuse me. He when, Remember when they're looking at the list? He says, like, Callahan's swamped. He's taking first-year interns. That's what he says. Yeah, but I thought that you had to like finish Callahan's class and then he picked you and so second semester you're Yeah, it's second semester. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. even so, I mean... The, but agreed. The point is they're in law school. They're in law school and you're one and they're just here. Like, she's I like mean, going to visit her in prison and she's doing interviews. <laughs> that's and all another this. inaccuracy. Just yeah, showing up and making up a name and getting into the prison. <laughs> yeah. That's also crazy. <laughs> yes. Uh, but uh, to your point, I agree with you. Yeah, the point stands. Um, there's so much reading when you're one L and you're not as adept at doing it as you become later in law school. Like yeah. you're still working that out. So just the reading alone would crush you if you were trying to do these yeah. two things well, at the same time. And in a bigger sense, I I think that one, the, the biggest thing maybe of the whole movie that they glossed over that they got that, that was inaccurate or whatever is just the difficulty of law school. Yeah, that, sure. That, <laughs> sure. You know, the, the, there's the scary scene and whatever, but, you know. People have nervous breakdowns in law school, particularly <laughs> at Harvard. So I, I think that you know, making it this sort of fun, fun-loving romp with just a <laughs> boom, 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 boom score the entire time. Yeah, I would like to point out one thing that really bugs me about the movie is just the notion of this internship is very, very strange. Yeah. Like Victor Garber being both a high-powered active trial attorney partner and oh. simultaneously a Harvard professor in one of the core classes you take one all year. And then having the time to select multiple interns and supervise them on his own cases is the strangest structure I've ever heard. Same goes for Luke Wilson, too. He's an associate at the yes, firm. Yes, and he shows up at Harvard Law for at some At first reason. I thought he was like a TA or something, but but, yep. but what he says, though, is that he helps me with research. You might have seen him lurking around, and he says something about research. Anyway, the, the, which, the, again, the same thing you just said about Victor Garber applies to Luke Wilson. Which, but. again, doesn't make sense because <laughs> um, law firms have whole law libraries. Oh, yeah. They I mean, are very sophisticated. You don't need to go to Harvard Law School to, to check out the books in their law library. But maybe it's if it's right down odd. the road, I yeah. don't know. It's just a really strange setup all around. Yeah. Uh, should we uh, maybe, maybe put a button on this thing? Yeah. I want to talk about our big final takeaways. I yeah. mean, I think it's been pretty clear during this conversation. <laughs> I love this movie. So I have nothing but good things to say. Um, but let's go around uh, the group and see what our consensus is. Newbie Bill Donahue. Yeah. Well, I think the that that Amber, your take has been the best one, and that is the thesis of the movie. I've heard it from numerous female friends, many of whom are uh, now attorneys. That that this is a real thing. That there was this moment in the early two thousands where you 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 know, it is not an insignificant thing to be told that you can be smart and powerful and driven and and all the other trappings there, but also embrace you know the quote unquote girliness that that you want to. That it doesn't have to be. One or the other. So I think that's a, you know, that's a, a, a real thing, particularly in something co as conformist as the legal profession. The other thing I wanted that I just really, really um, enjoyed about this movie is that we talked on this episode and we've talked in previous episodes about inaccuracies and in legal movies and whether or not they, uh, you know, they impact the movie. And yeah. I thought this was the best example of we just spent 20 minutes talking about how so much was wrong here. Yeah. But the spirit of this movie is so right that it, yeah. it, it hits that theme that, that you were just that we were just talking about and of feeling alienated because of who you are in a profession. I mean, that that can't speak to the legal profession enough. That can't speak to law school enough. So yeah. despite all the the little things that it maybe technically got wrong, I thought that this movie nailed what it was trying to do and and therefore was just a really effective legal movie. Yeah, um, it paints a really a really earnest portrait of like what the law can be and how it can be practiced. Cause I, for me, it's like, it's not just that it's not just that L isn't the kind of person who goes to an elite law school. It's that when she gets there, she takes a more like compassionate approach. I thought about the scene where, you know, Brooke is, uh, Brooke has an alibi, right? She got liposuction, but this is embarrassing for her. And L says she won't, uh, disclose the alibi. Now, this is probably not optimal legal strategy, but that's not really the point because it gets to the purity of her character and it creates this like idealized version of how attorneys 
can practice. And it's like, be, be sensitive to the needs of your clients, right? I mean, this is, a, you know, this woman's on trial for her life for all intents and purposes. And this is a principle she holds. Um, and so uh, she, it, it's really, she's really a beacon in that way. And there's like a, I like that the movie quickly abandons the go to law school to get your boyfriend back thing. Cause there's a worse sort of shallower version of this movie where that actually like happens where that's the journey. Sure. Where right. it's just the elevator pitch. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's not that obviously, as we've laid out here, she uh, recognizes her own self-worth and unlocks this potential within herself. Um, and like I say, it's, um, uh, it's very endearing, very uplifting. I, uh, uh, quite enjoyed revisiting it. I love that you're all's takes on this because we're all, of a mind here yeah, about yeah. why this movie is special. For me, I think back to, I can't remember if I was a 1L or a 2L, but I'd gone to like a sort of a law school mixer type thing where there were actual practicing attorneys there and you were just supposed to like mix and mingle network, whatever. And I walk into this big ballroom and I am in a, a pantsuit gray. So nothing crazy here, guys. I wasn't dressed like Elle Woods. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone else in the entire room had on black. Not one person in a navy or a gray or anything. Even (sighs) Vivian would have stood out in that sea of like people in a black suit. So for me and other women like me, um, I really love the message that there's no one right way to be a lawyer. That Elle's an extreme. She's all pink and glitter. But she stands in for the notion that you don't have to do it one way to be successful. I think that's why so many women latch onto this movie and it sort of pushes them to think that they can do it. Um, Elle, the movie ends with this coda of Elle giving a speech at her law school graduation. And I just wanted to read a little snippet of that that I really love. I've come to find that passion is a key ingredient to the study and practice practice of law and of life. It is with passion, courage of conviction, and strong sense of self that we take our next steps into the world. Remembering that first impressions are not always correct. You must always have faith in people And most importantly, you must always have faith in yourself. Congratulations, class of 2004. We did it! Love this movie, guys. I love it. Well said. I had a great time. Thanks for joining us today on the Pro Se Movie Club. We'd like to thank our producer, Stephen Trader, for editing today's show, and our graphic designer, Chris Yates, for the very Hollywood version of our Pro Se logo. Music for the show comes from Ashley Shadow. We'll be back next week with another installment of The Movie Club, where we head into the world of military law and the truth. Join us next week when we discuss A Few Good Men.